Hi, I'm Willie Emanuel. You're welcome to a new episode of In These Moments. Now, today's episode is a bit different. Today's episode is a special one. It's different from what you're used to if you've listened to this for, for a while. It's the first episode from a podcast I am working on at the moment that's going to launch sometime in the near future. While I was planning for this season, I decided I was going to have one or two episodes of this new podcast on this one to just give people a feel of what to expect from my next project. It's a storytelling podcast, so it's not too different from what we have been doing here for three seasons, but it is centered around music. When I say it is centered around music, unlike in these moments where, you know, we talk about just general moments of our lives and things that kind of lead us where we are on our journey and so on, this one is more about the connection of music to those moments. Songs that are kind of like the soundtracks to our lives, songs that kind of mean a lot to us and kind of like tell our story in a way. So yeah, I'm excited about the project. It's going to be available sooner than later. If you're on Patreon, I'm going to give you a few episodes of this podcast as your exclusive episodes. So um, be expecting that. I'm really excited about this project, but I just wanted people to get a first taste of the project, uh, you know, before it comes out. Now, while I was putting together a list of people to speak to, one person really resonated with me, and that's Osagi Alonge. Osagi and I have been trying to do something together since about 2019. This was just the perfect thing to do together. If you know Osage, you know Osage is a huge music lover. When it comes to like music history, when it comes to like music knowledge, he's one of the best out there. He was the ideal person to have on this. And um, I'm actually excited to, to have you listen to this episode because we had so much fun recording this. I don't think I've had as much fun recording an episode as I did on this one. So um, I'm excited for you to listen to it. Tell me how you like it. Tell me what you think. Without further ado, let's get into Osage's stories. My name is Osagi Alunge. I like culture. I like tech. I really like music. I guess that's where Wally and I kind of bonded a bit. Um, he's a big fan of my playlists, even though he might not want to admit it. <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of music. We've been trying to do this for a while now, probably like maybe 18 months or so. So I'm really I'm really happy we're doing this, and you know, while we're just talking. Um, your podcast is amazing, by the way. I like how you, you know, um, take the time to really focus on, you know, the reasons, the causes, the actions behind people and the way they act, you know. So it's always very emotional and, uh, you know, it hits the heart. So I'm glad to be on a special episode. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. It's no coincidence that you're the first person I reached out to to actually like make one of these. It made so much sense for you to be the one. I have a lot of respect for what you do and um, it just made sense to do this. So thank you once again for doing this. So yeah, let's let's get to let's get to the story. Let's start with your first song. Great stuff, great stuff, great stuff. Let's get into it. First of all, right, narrowing it down to five songs was pretty hard. It was very, very hard. I've been thinking about this since you told me about the concept, right? I've been thinking, okay, can I make this song again? Can I not put this song? Where was I when I heard this song? So I had to go through all those emotions again, but I pretty much narrowed it down to five songs, five random songs, or maybe not random because I mean, I think about them all the time, but 
you might be surprised the genre of music or you know the lyrics or why the song is special to me um i'm gonna go ahead in non-chronological order i think the first song is ashley simpson's pieces of me And I'll tell you why. So, 2004 album. Um, in 2004, in my life, it was one of the roughest points in my life. I was trying to get into university. I didn't have a lot of money. So, I took a bet and, you know, went to University of Learning to study, you know, their remedial program to get into um, the 100 level. So, I didn't have any place to stay. I didn't have, like, family. There was nobody. It was The streets was cold. This is coming from... You know, middle class young boy raised in Lagos, you know, ride your bicycle through the streets, you know, um, softened, you know, shielded away from the harsh realities of what the fuck Nigeria is, you know, or how people can just be batshit crazy. Going all the way to Ilorin, I'm meeting like new people, right? But university is always a melting pot of different people. Now, people have shown me pain. People have cheated me. People have done so many things for me. So my trust deficit is really, really low. And, you know, I was basically sleeping in class. Because I had to put my bags in the hostel. But I wasn't even squatting there because the guy who brought me in was a squatter. So I was like a floater. So I could only take my bath at the hostel. So most of the times, I was always just at, in class. Overnight in class, reading, you know, reading, preparing for exams. And I guess like Ashley Simpson's autobiography, her debut album was like, I remember who gave me the CD. My friend Gerard, shout out to Gerard, wherever he is. You know, this is me listening to Mode 9, Rugged Man, G-Unit and the likes, right? And he just passes me the CD and says, have you heard this? You know, I'm, I look at it, I look at the album cover. I'm like, it's one, probably one 18, 19-year-old pop singer. Like, bro, what's up with you? And he says, just listen to it. You know, and I started listening to the album. It's a really good album. But Pieces of Me is such a good song, right? She's just talking about herself, how unsure she is. You know, the song starts off like, on a Monday, I am waiting. On a Tuesday, I'm fading. By Wednesday, I can't sleep. The phone rings. I hear you. And the darkness is a clear view because you come to rescue me. At that point, I'm just, the lyrics are just sinking inside my head. Now, I don't know if it's me on 10 cups of coffee trying to beat the sleep in class so they don't steal my books or my bags or me just, you know, wearing the shoes of this young pop singer and this song literally carrying me because i start playing this song every night i start playing this album every night and the high point of this album is actually this song every time and so this song just takes me through four months of hustling you know in another city far away from home and it's like the closest thing to always just bringing me back to sanity so i guess yeah that's why that's why this song is really close to me and anytime i still remember it you know, I, I, it just takes me back to that time. And I just, I thank God. <laughs> so what device were you listening to this song on at this time? Oh, that's a very good question. It was actually a Discman. It was a Discman with, you know, the headphones. But you know, the headphones that had the metal, the metal connector. You know, there's no wireless, you know, this, you know, this 2004, right? So no wireless. So you have that headphones with the funny foamy ears and the metal connector. Yeah. And that's what I'm listening to it on. The funny thing about this album, why I say, you know, the high point, the CD he gave me obviously was pirated. It wasn't an original copy. Sorry, Ashley Simpson and I record label. Uh, <laughs> but you, you hardly would get, you know, original copies in 2004 in Nigeria. Trust me. So the copy he gave me, right? The track listing is disjointed and scattered. So it's not the original track listing. So years later, where I have iTunes and I want to like buy the album again, you know, to, to play it and all that. And I'll find out that, oh, 
this is the original track list. So the track list I had was like scattered. Piece of me was probably around track 10. So it was always like a high point in the album for me, you know, only to find out that the track is actually track two originally. What I now did on my iTunes is I re- I kind of rejigged it back to what it was before because that's how I understood the flow of the album. Not, not this way. So yeah, I don't like this track listing. When you were looking for a school to pick, why did you pick Ilari? I just wanted to get out of Lagos. A young guy in your, your early 20s, you spent the whole of your life in Lagos, primary school Lagos, secondary school Lagos. You just want to get out. I wasn't going to go to the University of Benin. I wasn't looking for any trouble, bro. You know, and I was already a stubborn kid already. So I'd already gauged my my level of, you know, being crazy or being stubborn, right? And I was like, you know, <laughs> University of Benin is not going to go well with me. So I was like, let me go somewhere more you know, towards the Southwest. I had like a neighbor who was attending the school who said, yeah, it's a good school coming. They never go on strike. So that was the good thing. They never, they never go on strike. Yeah, that was big back then. So I was like, ah, cool. All right, let me hop in here. Five hours drive. This is when you could only afford to take like a bus. And you're like four, you know, four on the seats. Now it's like three on the seats with really cool buses with AC. Then you were really some, you know, some real crappy buses, man. You know, so you spend five hours, you know, on the road, get to this new town. The air is different. Everything is different. You know, it's like you're, you're just like a new person. You know, nobody knows you. You don't know anybody. No expectations. You also don't need to like break your coffee, go home late, explain to your parents why you had to get home late. I could get home at one. I could do anything I wanted to do. And I guess like I really cherish and, you know, love that experience, you know, being free and managing your own expenses, just doing your own thing. That's, that's, that's why I wanted to get out of Lagos and attend that school. You mentioned having to sleep in the classroom. How long did I go on for? Um, I probably did that for like, like four months. Because once I got to Loring, I stayed at my neighbor's house. But like after a month, it wasn't even my neighbor's house. It was another guy, right, that, was, that came from Ibadan. So we were like five in the room. And I was like the, like the fifth person. I think five or six in the room. This is like your typical face mirror. You know what they call face mirror face you? For those who don't know, it's like one room. Every, there's like a shared bathroom and toilet. But everybody has one room and it's like a hallway, right? So that's where we used to stay. So we're like six in the room. Now it was very, very uncomfortable because one of the guys, right, you know, the owner of the room would bring like his, his girlfriend back home and, you know, they had to, you know, do whatever they had to do. So we had to stay outside in the cold, outside, right, for like, till like maybe 11, 12. Then he'd be like, okay, you guys can come in, I'm done. So we'll be outside for like three, four hours, not doing anything. You know, then we'll be back in the room the next day. And that used to happen like often. So the guy who I came with from Lagos, right? He's now moving to his own place. So I'm like, ah, man, finally I could go, you know, stay with him. But he's like, hey, bro, I'm not taking you. I want to do my thing. (laughs) You know, for me, that's like the first, like the first rude awakening. I thought everybody was nice. I thought everybody had everybody's back, you know? So it was big shock for me, rude awakening, because I... I practically know the guy in my neighborhood in, in Lagos. We all grew up together. So so he's like, you can't come with me. Then I go with two other guys. These guys are crazy. Like, they need their own show. Coyote and Said, crazy guys. After some time, I was like, no, I can't stay with these guys. They're, 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 they're really crazy. They would smoke in the room. So I would go to school. My clothes would be smelling of, you know, cigarettes. Everybody just look at me weird. So I'm like, you know, let me just go stay in the hostel. I didn't even need to spend money on transport because they were staying in town. So I moved to the hostel and that's where I just dropped my bag. Then I'm just in class all day, hanging around. Then at night, just stay in class. In the morning around five, come back, take my shower, get back to class. My goal at the end of the day was I have to just pass this remedial and get into school. 
that was like my goal and I failed. My second song is a bit closer to home. My second song is They Reminisce Over You, Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. One of the heaviest joints, 992, um, off the album, Mecca and the Soul Brother. The interesting thing is I never got to hear about the song until the mid-2000s. So I never heard the album. The album came out in 92. In 92, I was probably what? I was probably like seven. I was probably listening to Michael Jackson and New Edition. Or listening to Shino Peters and Michael Cree. Like, who the hell was Pete Rock and Seal Smooth in 92? You know, some guys out of New York. I started studying hip-hop a lot because I'm a big fan of music. So I went back and started looking at all the classics, all the songs that had been released. And I stumbled on, you know, Mecca and Soul Brother. And once I played the song, the song connected me with my uncle, actually. So I have one crazy uncle who he's just crazy. Like he's crazy, right? He he decided not to go to school. He's what Nas would describe as experiencing his second childhood. People who never just grew up. Do you have someone like that in your family? But you know somebody like that, right? Dude is just old, right? But never just got on with the whole program. Never just got on, decided not to go to school, just wanted to do this, still chilling at their mom's place. Probably even had, you know, got someone pregnant. The kid even stays there. You know, back in the hood, it's just, it's just that same old guy. You just see, Wally, how far now? Clone Shelley, what's good? You know, it's still that same old guy. I had an uncle like that, right? And till today, he's over 60. <laughs> he's still that same guy. So the song, The Reminisce Over You, Pit Rock and Seal Smooth. Pit Rock is producing, Seal Smooth is rapping, and Seal Smooth is rapping about his uncle called Trouble T. Roy, and how, as a father, right, wasn't there to raise his kids because of probably a disgruntled childhood he experienced as well, just living his second childhood. And once I listened to that song and I continued to listen to it, it just connected me so much with my uncle, who's also experienced the same thing, right? There's nothing you tell my uncle. You know, the funny thing about these guys is that they're very smart. They're always very smart. They always have an opinion about politics, everything, you know. But you just ask yourself, like, so what is stopping you from being, you know, the best version of yourself? Like, what's stopping you? Why can't you, you know, but they don't just want to. And so anytime I hear that song, I just listen to the song. I just go to my uncle straight up. I'm like, ah, you know, and it makes me even want to check up on him or ask how he's doing. But that might lead to other billions. <laughs> And things you don't want to happen. So I probably just put down the phone. But yeah, I listen to that song a lot. Um, it really connects me because the way CL Smooth is also rapping, right? He's rapping about someone who's very dear to him and very close to him. So I just put myself in those shoes as well. And, you know, then pattern the song. At times, even like when he's rapping, right? I just put myself in those scenarios with my uncle as well. I put my uncle in those scenarios. You know, his relationship with his own mother, who's like uh, my grandma or his father or his sister, who's my mother, right? People who you lived with and who have sort of been disappointed by some of the actions he's taking, you know, and that just is, it draws a parallel with with the song as well. So anytime I listen to the song, it's a very dear song to me because family is very close to me. Was this song playing on the radio at the time? No, 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 that wasn't playing on the radio. Okay, that's quite interesting. So I was watching the Boondocks. Remember the Boondocks? 
I am the stone that the building refused. I am the building, the inspiration to make the ladies sing the blues. So I'm watching the Bulldogs, adult cartoon, African-American, you know, and all that. And so there's an edition where Riley, you know, starts doing a lot of graffiti painting, right? And there's the high point in that episode where he's doing the graffiti, graffiti painting and they're playing, they're playing like a song from a guy called Tom Scott. Forgot the name of the record. But then it goes to one part of the song. The song has this jazz instrumentation, right? Which goes... You know, and I'm like, man, such a great song. So I keep rewinding and rewinding it. Then he's like, let me go and look for the song. So I shazam the song. Then I start looking for the song. Then as I'm looking for the song, I now find out that, oh, this song has been sampled in multiple hip-hop records. I'm like, okay, let me find it. Then I see the record. I'm like, Pit Rock and CL Smooth, Mecca and Soul Brother. I'm like, okay, let me play the album. Then I play the song and she just busts my head. To me, it's one of the, it's a top 10 hip hop song, best hip hop song ever for me. It's so New York. You listen to it and you're like, this, you want to wear your Tims and wear your hoodie. <laughs> you know, and wear your Fubu apparel. You know, and put your, put your hat to the side and say, Brooklyn. So it reminds me so much you know, of my family, but it also reminds me of that 90s hip-hop era, which I'm a very big fan of. It's a very close song to me. Number three is on the local home front. Number three is a song called Nigeria Go Survive. It's sung by a lady called Veno Mariogi. It's released in 1984, but you know how music was back then now? You can release a record in 1984 in the 90s. That shit is still popping off. You know, songs had like longer shelf life. Like think about it, right? We listened to Michael Michael Jackson drop Trailer in what? 84, 85. But 91, 92, 93, 94, we're still dancing to Trailer. Like I was born in 85, right? And so when I could dance, I remember my 50-year-old birthday, you know, they got me like a suit and I had this whole dancing thing going on. And I was dancing to Trailer, which was released like five years. Can that still happen right now? You know, so this song, right, is, is such a brilliant song, right? It's called Nigeria Go Survive. This song was released in a period where Nigeria was going through civilian to military rule again. Just coming off the military dispensation, Obasanjo, right? Obasanjo hands power over to Shehu Shagari. Then there's another, you know, military coup again. So this lady is singing this song, saying Nigeria Go Survive, basically saying Nigeria is going to get better, guys. Nigeria is going to be great believe in Nigeria. Now, why this song connects to me? This song just reminds me of the 90s, basically, which is the best time for me. If I had a time machine, I am going back to like January 1st, 1990, so I can relive the whole 90s again. 90s was the best era. The clothes were great. The music was great. The food was great. The people were okay. You know, the money wasn't that bad, <laughs> you know, in Nigeria, right? So, and everything was so simple. TV started at four. There wasn't any social media. You know, you went out to go and play with your friends. If you had the home line, you could call your friends on the home line and talk for like one minute and get back. Yeah, Nitel, you know, you got the card. And we started putting the card in the fridge so it could reverse the, the credits. That's crazy. So this song just reminds me of the 90s because I grew up listening to this song a lot. They play the song on TV. They play the song a lot on radio. You know, Radio Nigeria used to play this record all the time. Nigeria go survive. Nigeria go survive. Africa go survive. Oh, Nigeria go survive. So 
so the song is a mixture of like breakbeat plus a bit of new jack swing just a bit of it but very very pop right if you just play this song something just switches on in my body and i just go to the 90s i remember myself sitting in my house at satellite town with my favorite biscuits my dad at one place my mom at one place my brother and my sister like it takes me to the 90s to the mid 90s and i really really enjoy it so i don't play the song all the time because when i have to stop the song i now feel sad that i have all these responsibilities and work is on monday so that's why this, this the song really um connects with me now in the song right she's also referencing a guy who's called andrew there's a character in a series called i can't remember the name of the series I, i'm not sure if it's village headmaster or the new masquerade but there's a character called andrew now andrew is the late Justice Cesare, Dr. Sid's dad, who was the actor, right? And, you know, when he gets frustrated in the series, he's always saying, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm checking out. I'm out. Which means, like, he's leaving the country. Like, the country is too tough. He's leaving the country. He wants to jackpot. So this jackpot thing we're talking about in 2021 has been a thing since the 80s, since the 90s. So Andrew just goes, Andrew, I'm, I'm checking out. I'm tired. I'm checking out. So in the song, she's saying, Andrew, no check out. So she references a TV show in her song. And that's how big TV shows were in the 80s and 90s. Everybody used to watch the same TV show. So she references the TV show in the song, which just makes the song even bigger. So everybody starts saying, Andrew, no check out. If Andrew had checked out though, maybe we'll be sending dollars now. (laughs) But yeah. Number four is a song called Problem by Emma Abaga. That's a record, right? That's a good record. I like the song for so many reasons. I like the song because of the Jay-Z sample. I got 99 Problems. Talking about 99 Problems. Edited, you know, um, Jay-Z's vocals of um, 99 Problems, the song. song was released around, what, 2009 of the Illegal Music album. Now, 2008, 2009, 2010, really rough periods for me in my life. Like, very, very rough periods, you know. Got back from being learning. So, my uni learning story... I fail remedial. I can't get in 100 level. So this is back in 2004, right? But I can't also go back home and tell my parents I didn't get into school, right? Like I failed. Everybody thought I'd gone to uni in the school, in, in the hood. At this point, I'm just like, nah. So I told them I passed. That's what I did. I told them I passed. But I don't have any admission, right? So you know what I do? I then get to stay with one of my friends that I met. Then I start attending classes. Like I'm actually a student. And so I, I attend all the classes and everything. I even write some tests, but I can't, I mean, I can't even write tests. I can't write the exams, right? So every time it's exam period, I just go missing. Then everybody's like, ah, where did Osage go? I was like, no, I was at the back of the hall or something. Then during that period, I write another jam. Then I get admission into the school. Then I now get into 100 level. Then they're like, oh, why are you doing 100 level again? Then I'm like, fuck off, mind your own business. I'm just happy I got into school finally. And I have like an advantage because I've already attended all the classes and I have like all the notes and gone through everything. I just blast my way through 100 level. (laughs) So that's the only thing I could do because no second place, I can't afford to fail. So anyway, so I get back from learning, you know, finish with school and all that. And I'm in town, I'm broke as ever. I don't have a job. You know, I'm working at this cafe that pays me 10,000 naira every month. It's not even then yet. This is like 09, right? 09, I co-own a studio with my friends in one faraway place in outskirts in Lagos. And so we have some jobs there and everything. Da Green once visited our studio, by the way, the Lake Da Green, before he blew up. He blew up in like 09 with Pom Pom Pom. So this is when he had just dropped his first album. He was really just, you know, on the low and all that. You see this song called Problem by M.I.? 
this song was the soundtrack to my slapping. You know what they say? You slap from one place to the other. Do you understand the concept of slapping? It's because your your slippers is slapping your feet. That's why I say, oh man, I did slap go this side. Come, come follow me, move slap go. So that's the concept. So this is me. Can't even afford to take like the bus. So I'm walking like six kilometers from my house to the studio. So six kilometers depends on what what time and you know um what time of the day and all that but i'm i'm averaging like six kilometers from my house to the studio and six kilometers is some good time to listen to some good music right but i have this song on repeats this song right i i so much identify with this song because he's basically saying he's broke as hell in the song which is where i was at the time in my life right where he talks about him being kicked out of school not having money you know, so he puts himself in scenarios. And I think the best scenario is where he puts himself in the scenario of a policeman who stops him. Then he's rapping from the point of the policeman, explaining to Emma Abaga why he has to, he has to extort him. You know, so he goes, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I'm trying to stay alive. Bro, I make 9,005, you know, as a policeman. The policeman is pouring his heart out to Emma, you know, and saying, bro, this is the reason why I have to extort you. I make 9,005. What makes that verse really special is that at the end of the verse, it's like, and when I'm done, like, you're still going to meet my waga <laughs> down the road, you know? He now says, because he's got his own problems too. They make your life hell for 20 bucks, yeah? We all are sitting ducks, so I ask one police officer, what's the problem? Holler at your boy, I'll do my best to try and solve him. He said, man, I get too much stress. My wife at home says she needs a brand new dress and a brand new address. And my two kids gotta eat to survive. I make 9,005. Forgive me if I stomp and harass when you pass. Threatening to blast just to get a little cash. Yeah. Besides, I don't take half that money home because my officer said he got problems. Mi's writing there is impeccable. His storytelling, the ability—I am such, you know, a big fan, and I'm always in awe of how he was able to like put the song together, put the lyrics together, and build all those scenarios in a three-verse song. Bro, anytime I I really want to cool off, I still go back and just listen to that song, you know, and it just reminds me: look at the journey, look at where you were, look at where you are now, and remind yourself that you've actually done stuff for yourself. So pat yourself on the back. You don't have these kind of problems anymore. I know we're both huge hip-hop fans and um, we're both huge MI fans. So tell me, what was your first encounter with MI? How did you discover MI? I was in uni and there's my guy called Body BD. Shout out to BD, Body Babalola. Um, Body was playing, Body is a producer. So I used to rap and that's like, I know a story for another day. I used to be like a rapper. I have like an 18 track mixtape I put out. I did some collaborations with people. But that's like an old life of mine. So while I was in uni, I was actually rapping and all that. So Body, you know, is playing this record and this record is slamming. It has some Abuja cats on it. it, has some guys from KD on it. And then this guy comes and takes the last verse, but he slows down the track. He's so confident. I can't even remember the name of the song anymore. Like, I don't even know where the song is. He's so confident. And I'm like, who's this guy? And this is in 2006. So BD says, oh, there's this guy called MI. He's like really dope, man. He's like next to blue. We don't even know if he's next to blue, but like he's dope. He's different. That was the word he used. He's different. And so that's the first time I heard of MI. Then, of course, I um, listened to Crowd Mentality. That's like a lot of people's first entry to MI as well. You know, watch the video. Everybody started liking him to Kanye West because it was so different. It was 
180, you know, 180 degree change from the kind of hip hop we were experiencing in the country at the time, the Rockermans, the Modernize, the Freestyles and co. Then he came to Lagos. So he was hosting, he did this um, gig with British Council where he was hosting Unilag's finest. So the University of Lagos, Unilag used to have um, a rap battle every year. So this was the second version of, um, this was Unilag's finest too. So everybody was like super excited. You know, a lot of cats used to come to watch people battle and all that. So it was like the quarterfinals. I went to British Council that day and I saw, you know, this short black boy on stage hosting. Got a lot of love from everybody. The judges were Mode 9. I can't remember who was on the panel, but Mode 9 was one of the judges. So you could you could just see like the perspective, right? Mode 9 is like a judge. He's like more revered, right? M is the host, you know, he's the one saying, oh, you come on stage, you come on stage. This is way back, right? And so we, we got backstage, you know, for a minute, you know, I hit him up. By this time, he had already dropped um, one of the records. He had already dropped, put your lighters in the air. Blaze, the first version of Blaze that had him, um, Jesse and Ice, not the one with Blaze the rapper yet. It was the first version, right? So it was playing on reading like mad. You know, a lot of people were there big time, you know, Obama, so many guys were there. So we're at the backstage, you know, we're chatting up and everything. And I'm like, man, so I'm also a rapper too. You know, what can I do? What kind of advice? And, you know, he had like other rappers around. He says something very profound, which I now tell a lot of upcoming artists today. He said, go and conquer your territory. Conquer your territory. Once you conquer your territory, your territory will scream your name out. And it made so much sense because he had conquered J-Town before he came to Lagos. Everybody in J-Town knew Emma Abaga. He was like the prince of the city and he had carried chocolate city on his back, Jeta on his back. You could also experience it in the music, which I don't experience from a lot of artists right now. I don't know where you're from. I don't know the backstory. You're just rapping and rapping. What's your backstory? Which is how we grew up like listening to American, like US rappers, right? We know, you know, DMX was from Yonkers. We know Jay-Z was from Brooklyn. We know Nas was from um, Queens. 50 Cent's from um, um, Southside Jamaica, Queens. We know everybody's from. And so that MI kind of just portrayed that and brought that to the forefront. And then he gave us a story. He said, when Jesse Jags and Ice Prince, um, they used to prank call a lot of people. And so they prank called Kenny's music, Keke Ogunbe at the time. And they told him that, oh, they, they were the hottest rappers, you know, in the game. Um, can Kenny's music sign them? And Kenny Ogunbe was like, ah, okay, I'm just going to call the biggest OAP in Joss. If they know you, we'll have a conversation. If they don't know you, I'm not calling you back. Which made so much sense, right? Because if you had conquered your territory, I'd like to have a conversation with you. But if you're not the hottest, if the biggest OAP doesn't know you as the hottest, I don't need to talk to you. So it was the same kind of thing. Then also, you know, he was shopping around Jesse Jacks. We were like, man, work with Jesse. Jesse, can, Jesse is really affordable. Like 28K, you can get a beat from Jesse. Maybe I should have bought like five beats then and NFT the beats now, put it on the resale market, <laughs> you know? So it was nice. It was nice. Then he performed safe, you know, for the first time. He performed safe. Bruv, I was there when he performed that shit for the first time before he got on radio. He said, I'm going to perform this song. We just recorded it a few days ago. Tell me what you guys think. So it was like a break between the quarterfinals and like the semifinals. And this guy performs that shit at British Council. My brother, let me tell you, the whole place scattered. He performed it twice. He performed at British Council and at the finale, he performed it at Unilag. We used the auditorium at Unilag. He performed it there. Sound Sultan came, Terry Durapman came. But you see, the one at Bridge Council, it was so good because all M did was just make rap relatable. That's all. He just said, you know, Mugono Feli Feli, I'm spitting like Machiavelli. Nothing do me because I deshire you. You know, he just took 
hit songs from all the artists who were reigning at the time, who had dropped records in the last two to three years, and he just rhymed with everything. And of course, he had like the genie who just came and did the, the R&B side. Mod9 was so impressed. Mod9 grabbed the mic and said, I am going to fund the video shoots. Tell me when. And M, being so damn humble, is nodding his head to Mod9. Thank you. Thank you. It was crazy. It was crazy. So that's my first experience of like MI, my first real experience of MI. And from there on, it just, it just blew up. Number five used to be like a national anthem for a lot of Lagos boys. I'm a Lagos boy, right? So my dad is from Edo State, Benin. My mom is from Anambra. Uh, my grandmother's Aruba from Abelkuta. But I grew up you know when that babe tells you, where do you based? <laughs> you tell her, I'm from Lagos. L-A-G-O-S. City of hustlers. Home of the wise guys. That's where I'm from. I'm from Lagos. And this song, Jimmy Jad featuring Two-Face Edibia, Mode 9, and Ella Joe, Styly, is my badge of honor. I wear it on my sleeves. You see, when this song dropped, this song dropped with the video. Sound City used to have Sound City Top 10. Remember the Sound City Top 10? It used to be huge. Everybody used to wait for it every Friday night. And they said they have this song, Jimmy Jad. Jimmy Jad was putting together his first compilation album, The Definition. If you know Jimmy Jad, right? DJ Jimmy Jad is like the OG of OGs. You know, Jimmy Jad was... Jimmy Jad taught people how to rap. People were auditioning in front of Jimmy Jad. Jimmy Jad convinced Daddy Shoki to leave the army and start doing music. So Jimmy's Jimmy's Jimmy. You know, Jimmy used to transfer records, vinyls into tapes for Obi Asika. Jimmy discovered Junior and Pretty and linked them up with Storm Records who signed them in 96 when they dropped Monica. <laughs> yeah, so Jimmy's like, Jimmy's like the OG OG. So Jimmy in 2006 says, you know what? I want to put a compilation album together and call it The Definition because I am The Definition. That's where he is. And so he starts calling on everybody. And the first single is this song called Styly featuring Mode 9, Two-Face Edibia, and a guy called Ella Joe. Now, the chemistry in putting that thing together is so crazy because Jimmy Jack could have sold out and said, you know what, let me go and look for a pop artist. I don't need to put Mode 9. Mode 9 wasn't a commercial frontline artist. He was an underground artist who got like a lot of respect from the hip-hop community where he put him on the first verse. Then he got Ella Joe. Ella Joe was, at the time, Ella Joe was rolling around with Storm Records. Wanted to get signed, him and the Thoroughbreds. Backstory, Ella Joe is a, a hip-hop aficionado. I could call him like an OG legend in the game. He was a member of a group called the Thoroughbreds. So the Thoroughbreds had Ella Joe, a guy called BLX who passed away recently. Ella Joe's sister called Amaka. Another rapper turned singer called Obi-Wan. And the last guy called Il Bliss. Ella Joe and Bielek taught Il Bliss how to rap. You know, so that's the group Thoroughbred. So they're trying to get signed to Kenny um, to Storm Records. They're having conversations. And Jimmy is rolling around with Storm now, right? Storm is distributing, wants to distribute, market and distribute the album for him. So he actually recorded the album on, under the Storm, Storm Records imprint. So they're like, okay, just get Ella Joe in there. Of course, Two Faces, if you want to bless a chorus, Two Faces was the chorus king at the time. He had done records with like different people. Two Faces will fuck your chorus up. Just put him in the studio. The song starts like this. And the record where we do, we do it for our own. Style it, mm, style it. Mm, mm, 
inside in Lagos. The city of hustlers. Everybody's in a hurry, traders and customers. Rockets get picked on the regular. If you're not street, you gon' pop with your cellular. You're driving? I suggest you check your rear view. Be careful. God damn it. It was too heavy. It was so the song has like rock influences, hip-hop influences. Then Mode 9 just comes with one of the best 16s I've ever heard in my life. I reside in Lagos, the city of hustlers. Everybody in a rush, traders and customers. Something something gets stated in a regular. If you're not street, you go path with your cellular. If you're driving, I suggest you check your rear view. You gotta be careful. There might be an Okada just near you. Brush one down, then the rest will come tear you to pieces. Hey yo, welcome to the jungle where the bus stops, just like the Royal Rumble. Then it keeps going, 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 going. You know? It's who get male sometimes. And if you know, get logo, Borie, oh. So, so legacy, then, then Two Faces lines, you know. I remember when the hustle and the bustle, then he keeps going on. He says, when we enter bus, claim staff, because we no get money, trekking till we catch her, it was not very funny. You see, that line, People connect to it. You know what it is to enter bus and claim staff? So people used to enter like the buses, right? And not pay the conductor or the driver are people in the military, people who occupy offices. So if you're in like the military, the army, if you're in you know, the police, they won't just pay. You know, you kind of just like, it was like respect stroke fear. Respect being, oh, okay, you're a man of the service. Fear being, how I go ask this guy for money? This guy can just brush me. <laughs> So let me not ask him for money, right? So what used to then happen was that the military man, right? Or the man in service, so to say, might not be in his um, official gear. He might be in, um, you know, mufti. And so he would just enter. And if they ask him, oh, okay, please, where's your money? You just say staff. So staff meaning I'm in the service. So they say, ah, staff, okay. Now, random regular dudes like Wally and I can now enter and sit down and just say staff. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> So that was the problem with the whole shit because now the conductor is perplexed. Like, now he's now sizing you up how you said the staff. And he's like, nah, I'm going to test this guy. This guy ain't no staff. Okay, where your money I beg? Then if you look at you and say, staff. Then like, okay, okay, okay. So what Two Face says there is that when we enter bus, claim staff because we no get money. It was not very funny. When we started, I mean, they talk so good, they mentor. But then, and Jimmy Jacks, I mean, they give us instrumental. You know, you, it just takes you to that very moment where you either experienced it or you did it yourself. You know, tracking to Wikeja, it was not very funny. Back then, then they talk say with the mental. Back then, na Jimmy. Then Jimmy says, waiting. Now he, they give us instrumental. We connect to when I tell you that he used to be the one who used to cut the CDs and not the CDs, the tapes and, you know, all the stuff back then. So that song is so good. Ella Joe then comes in with like the real hip hop, you know, and he's just... He's just going on that thorough, you know. And the song to me is complete. That's the song. I want to play it everywhere. I want to play it everywhere. I want to tell you that, man, I'm a Lagos boy in Nigeria for life. Last giddy. You know how we do now. I we liking Lagos to like New York so much where we say, if you make it Lagos, you can make it everywhere. Lagos, ah, no sleep. You know, stuff like that. Where everybody's just like, Lagos is, you just have to be street. I have people who relocated from other cities to Lagos and it was like they relocated to another country entirely whether it was the driving or trying to talk to people on the road and everybody's just scared of you. Lagos is the only place you approach somebody and say, bros, I beg no vexo. So. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to. Why do you need to apologize? <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, my, that's my record. It reminds me so much of Lagos and I love the city. Oh, 
Wow, Osage, this has been so much fun. I'm happy we finally got time to do this. It came out exactly as I pictured. But before you go, tell us what you're working on at the moment and where we can find you. So I'm working on my podcast. I started recording some new episodes um, this November. Um, it's called The Music in Time. We review, interestingly, we review albums that have been released in the last 20, 25 years. So I just sit down with a couple of friends. I think we, we even need to do it since we figured out this this recording, you know, recording plan, we actually can do it and we can play it. So we play the music on the podcast as well. Yeah, so I have about seven episodes out. You guys can check it out. It's called The Music in Time. Everywhere you get your favorites, your favorite podcast, except YouTube because of, uh, you know, YouTube, you play any song. Yeah, but it's everywhere else. Yeah. That was so much fun. I was surprised about his first song, though. Um, Ashley Simpson's Piece of Me. It was so random, <laughs> but the story he told made it make sense. And I think the time he was referring to, there were a lot of soft rock songs that were like popular back then, even like rock rock back then. So I can understand. I used to be a huge fan of My Chemical Romance. And if you know me, you know I'm not I'm not the biggest rock fan. You know, um, I know people who are huge um, Fallout Boys fans, um, Evanescence, and so on. So it, it makes sense in that way. But um, it just threw me off the first time he said it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> but yeah, I hope you enjoyed the the stories. Like I said, this is something different. And um, I'm going to have one or two more this season on here, maybe. But um, on Patreon, definitely, there'll be a lot more of this style on there. So look forward to that. But yeah. We've come to the end of the podcast. I had a lot of fun making this. I had a lot of fun putting it together and making it come out the way it did. Um, And I hope you did as well. Thank you so much for listening to this. Like I say every episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on all podcast platforms. Don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Music and recently Spotify. A lot of you listen to a podcast on Spotify. So just go on in these moments like you do. Just giving a rating on there. There's a little box where you can rate it. So just do that so more people can come across the show. Same thing with Apple Music. I appreciate you so much. If you want to hear extra stories from this episode and other episodes, head out to patreon.com slash That is the exclusive wing of this podcast where I post exclusive content that didn't make the podcast. Extra stuff, extra stories and so on that, you know, people enjoy over there. So if you want to get into the Patreon, it is patreon.com slash Don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at MomentsPod, on Instagram at IndieseMomentsPod. You can find me on Twitter at KingWale, K-I-N-G-W-O-L-E. And you can find me on Instagram as well if you want to reach out to me about a story you can find me on social media reach out to me let me know we'll work something out and um we'll get your story out here but yeah thank you so much for listening i hope i see you in two weeks when i'm back with another story have a good one take care of yourself and bye